from the Montclair State University Film Forum. This is Film Forum Extras. Learn about independent filmmaking from pre-production to distribution through the expertise of esteemed film professionals. Join us every week for behind-the-scenes discussions with directors, producers, writers, and more. So, Leah, how are you doing today? Thank you, Molly. I'm doing well. How are awesome. you? I'm doing good. I hope everyone else is doing good. Nico, I'm doing Chris. Well. <laughs> All right. Chris waves. <laughs> Chris waved. All right. First things first. So how did you even get started in the film industry? Like, where did it all begin? Okay. My origin story starts in childhood. My sister was a child prodigy filmmaker, in my opinion. <laughs> um, she stole my father's video camera when she was nine years old and started making these incredible music videos um, to 80s rock. This was in the 80s. <laughs> and she would not let me touch the camera. She would not let me write or direct. She would only make me act in the really weird roles, like a dog or a rock <laughs> or a man with a beard. We had good costumes. Yeah. <laughs> and so in, when I grew up, I wanted to become a psychologist. Um, and then my sister wanted to become the filmmaker, and somehow we changed careers. And she's a psychologist now, and I'm the filmmaker. That's oh, wow. Yeah, because a lot of your films have the psychological element to them. Yes. Thank you for noticing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And then we saw this online while we were researching you. Excellent. But it said uh, one of your first jobs is that you're behind the camera for the Spike Lee movie, Bamboozled. Is that correct? Yes, I was the camera intern awesome. on Spike Lee's Bamboozled. And that was the first feature, actually, that used digital cameras. So um, I was... Uh, well, I was a film. I was the camera intern in the camera department. So when the film cameras were on set, that was my department because my mentor, Will Arnault, he was a Steadicam operator, and he introduced me to the DP Ellen Curis, and um, and that's how I got my lucky internship. And uh, with this being the first feature using digital cameras, they had like eight different digital cameras filming in addition to the film cameras, the Panasonic and the 35 millimeters. And so I was up in the rafters pressing, you know, record on the digital cameras. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and was that like a positive experience for you? Or On that set, it was. There still was sexual harassment. Um, mm. That was an unpleasant. Uh, three instances that I can count looking back. Um, I was 19 years old. I worked in film for a year. And before I transferred to Columbia University, where I went for undergrad. Um, so, yeah, I spent a year working in the camera department on many different um, features and commercials. And uh, often was the only female on set. And the environment was definitely gotcha. creepy. Oh, I feel you with that. I've, I can relate to that. But, um... So I'm guessing with, because the movie we're screening tonight for our class with you is Surviving Me. Yes. So. My feature that yes. I wrote and directed. Yes. Oh, thanks. Love that. So like, first things first, I just want to um, ask, like the rundown, like what's, what is it about in a summary real quick? Surviving Me, The Nine Circles of Sophie, is a coming of age drama about a college girl named Sophie. And um, she has a series of crises, financial aid crisis identity crisis and she's also experiencing some crises in her relationships mm -hmm. and 
she ends up making um, some perhaps wrong decisions uh, with her, with how she manages herself in this stress and has to go on her own experience of Dante's Inferno, Nine Circles of Hell before she can realize how she could make a different choice. Gotcha. So what was your inspiration for incorporating that element, the Dante's Inferno? The idea for Surviving Me came to me junior year of college, and I was studying medieval poetry, and Dante's Inferno was one of the texts that we read. And I was really struck by the voice of Dante and how in his poem he welcomes the readers to actually reflect on their own accountability uh, in terms of, um, you know, these vices of, of lust and gluttony and greed and, and looking at these inherent behaviors and temperaments that we all have and how they can lead us deeper into the problem. Um, and, and I felt like it was so, his voice was still so present that it was like time travel. And so it helped me be able to reflect on what already was a toxic environment that I was experiencing junior year um, and trying to make sense of all these issues that I was that I was already sort of suffering from, as I alluded to sexual assault working in film. Um, while I, I worked in film while I was a student at mm-hmm. Columbia, so I was putting myself through school and 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 having a lot of stress and crisis already from the after effects of that, plus yeah. the college environment, you know, hookup culture. It just was, I, I was carrying my own tuition. So it was like these pressure, the pressure that I felt was so great. And I felt that I couldn't get my voice heard when I was seeking help, when I was trying to speak out against um, exploitative behaviors mm-hmm. towards women. The culture at college, I felt, was pretty toxic for, for women. And I felt that men weren't benefiting from it either. I just felt it was damaging to everyone. So... I could tell you more about that. <laughs> well, so you said you started having that idea when you were junior. Yeah. So how long until you decide to put those feelings into a screenplay? Senior year, I wrote the first draft of Surviving Me for my senior thesis. Wow. Yeah. That's so. awesome. <laughs> Thanks. And so did you make it as a short film for your thesis? No, I just wrote it as okay. a feature script. Okay. Yeah. Luckily, that was an option for my right. for my concentration. Mm. And That's awesome. And then, like, and then making it in 2015, it's incredible to see that. Thanks. Yeah, I actually made it earlier. It um, premiered at its first film festival in 2015. Gotcha. So principal photography started in 2007, <laughs> and then the global financial crisis happened, oh. and financing... Um, fell through before I could film everything and although we got most of it filmed but I had to do some pickup shots when financing finally came back which was in 2011 and then from 2011 to 2015 it was post-production so in the film surviving me um you wrote it directed it and then you also acted in it that is true so that must have been like super busy, like, all over the place. Like, what was that like, having multiple jobs in this film? For your first film, too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it was it was manageable, in theory. 
because I had rehearsed a lot and been practicing for this with my director of photography, Larry Engel. But I think it was more of um, of a shock for some of the crew. Like the AD didn't quite, I mean, I don't know if I should single him out. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> it's just podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it was more, unco- I think it was more of a shock for some crew people. Um, and again, also just because we can talk about the sexism inherent in Hollywood now. I'm, I'm thinking about how to answer this, like. So I'm all about complex storytelling. So I like to think about other people's viewpoints and like the big picture and say, okay. So um, anyhow, writing, acting, and directing, each of those phases came at its own time. So I was preparing, I was working on, I was preparing directing in a directing workshop led by Lenora DeCoven in New York City, whose alumni include... Ang Lee and Kim Pierce. So she has this amazing approach to directing, teaching directing for filmmakers. And um, and so she would allow uh, directors to workshop their scripts so I could also test out scenes with actors in her workshop called Our Workshop East, Lenore DeCoven. And then, um, and then practice some film scene, filming scenes and then I would practice filming scenes with Larry Engel. And so then when it came time to actual production, we were prepared. Perhaps it was more um, of a harder thing for some of the men on the set to accept, because then I also realized that it was hard to get certain older men to obey me as the director, because I was a young woman. Yeah. I was say, you were like... The head honcho in a way, and then they're like not used not used to that quote unquote when you see that now all the time. Yeah. So. And I thought it was something wrong with me, like, oh, you know, they say, oh, well, you have to control the crew, and it's true, you do, but I think it's also crew members' responsibility to do their job exactly without uh, undermining a female boss. Yeah. We can talk about this now because there's a movement behind it now oh yes definitely especially with um so i like seeing like what you've been talking about and stuff i know you're probably a big supporter of like the me too movement and you know absolutely that all that topics and of course you've been like in touch with like the kavanaugh hearings absolutely all that kind of stuff so i can see that you're very passionate about that yeah i hope i don't harp on it too I know it's fine. <laughs> I love it. The inequalities that exist. I mean, it's important to talk about. And it is important. Yeah. I also feel that um, that's why I wrote the movie because there was no support for my voice back then to speak out on these issues. Um, and so I just felt like how this world is so crazy. Mm-hmm. How can I not? How is it that I'm not being heard? How is it that I'm going for help and being told that, well, that's just how the world is. That's just how men are. I was like, that was unacceptable to me. Um, So the fact that I'm a writer, I had the creative, Mm -hmm. I had the the desire to express, yeah, I had the desire to express myself creatively because then, well, at least I could express. Exactly. And like, I just want to make this one comment here that you see how it is today, the amount of support there is for these movements. If it wasn't for people like you, back in the day who made art that like addressed it, I feel like it would still be hidden. 
So thank you for that. Thank you. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> so yeah, like I really do think that as someone who probably has similar experiences, like thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And for a long time, I felt like a very just uh, I would just make people uncomfortable talking about it you know it still is very taboo and it's such an uncomfortable subject to talk about sexual assault and it makes people so uncomfortable and yet it is pervasive in every culture every country it is a global problem Nicholas Kristoff and um <laughs> now I can remember his name and not his wife's which is not good. <laughs> Wendy Wu Wendy, Wendy oh crap um Anyway, Nicholas Kristof, the New York Times journalist, wrote a book with his wife called Half the Sky. And they I read this book when it was published around 2012, I believe. And they talk about gender side, that there, there is a global gender side, genocide of women that is systemic and institutionalized across the planet. And when I read that, I was like, thank God somebody else is saying this because mm -hmm. I was feeling it and I was experiencing it and seeing it. And yet nothing was changing. And so Absolutely. I, yeah, I internalized that a lot, got depressed many times and prayed that like, if I, if something could happen, I, I believe that there's going to have to be something that will happen that if art is really powerful and if voices really do have an impact Something is going to happen that'll make yeah. this worth it. Oh, yeah. And then when the Me Too movement broke, I felt like oh, that's that's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that I prayed would would happen. And you must have saw that by touring with this movie, too, to college campuses. Yes. So like, did you find that you were able to relate to the students with your experiences? Yes. And the ones depicted in the movie? Yeah. Originally, my dream when I conceived of this story when I was a, a senior in college, junior and senior, I, I prayed that I could, I, let me say, um, when I first conceived of the film, I felt that it was specifically a film for college students. I felt that my audience was college students and women and indie film lovers. And so then when I moved to Hollywood and was, you know, had the film finished, film festival time, taking it to the American film market. All of these film distributors were men, um, and they told me that there is no audience for my movie, and nobody was interested in picking up my film because there is no audience. And I just kept hearing that over and over again, that there's no audience. I'm like, well, I wouldn't have made the film if there was no audience. Mm -hmm. And I actually believe that movies should have meaning behind them and, and weight, not just fun. I mean, fluffy entertainment can be fun for a time, but we should also be daring to try to talk about issues that need to be talked about and looking at human behavior and not only reflecting it back for, in, for introspection, but, but also showing a different way of envisioning how society could be. Like, this is the power of art and our voices, right? When, mm -hmm. and, and then to have the discussions. That's so powerful. That's what I needed. And um, so I felt very, uh, again, just like, I don't even know what the word is, just depressed that I just kept getting so much rejection after doing all this effort of making this movie. And um, so I met, uh, I, I met somebody who told me about doing an educational tour for the film. And so 
I did a Kickstarter to raise money to fund this college tour. That was last year. We did the Kickstarter, raised $31,000. And um, my little pitch video is, is about saying, like, I need to connect my film to my audience. This is for women's empowerment. We partnered with a nonprofit called More Than Me, which um, sends girls in Liberia to build schools for girls girls in Liberia and provides health care to them. Um, so that also I created an altruistic distribution plan. So a dollar of each download, our uh, release date is November 11th, will be streaming on section2.com, which is sectionii.com. Um, a dollar of every download will go directly to more than me. So that I really can have the impact that I originally hoped and wished for and, and have a little bit of a you know, new economic model in film that I could make, that I could support women's education, because that's also like a long story, but that's my mm -hmm. whole raison d'etre. You know, like <laughs> the issue at the core of my being is to help women have a safe and space for safe education. Space, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And you're producing some documentaries about that too, right? Yes. Yes, I um, I had to put that on hold for okay. the time because uh, a science fiction novel <laughs> came through my <laughs> womb, and it and it had to. It, I just had to give birth to it immediately. So, um, so you work on a science fiction novel? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Love that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's actually three science fiction novels. I have the first drafts a written. Trilogy. Yeah, trilogy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in revisions now, so hopefully. Uh, hopefully I'll get that done soon so we can I can get it published and yes. hopefully entertain you with some aliens. Oh, I'm so ready for stuff like that. <laughs> I'll be reading it. So one last question, just to sum everything just up. Just last, last question? Did you have more questions? <laughs> oh, we could talk for hours. I know, we could. But um, I think just to sum everything up, what advice would you give to um, college students um, women or men, just about experiences like, um, like, like I said, uh, sexual assault, all that kind of stuff. Like, what advice would you give to Particularly someone? Particularly in the film industry. And the yes. your industry. All right. Well, I feel those are two different questions. Okay. Um, Answer both. Okay, yeah. I will. Good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I was say go for it. <laughs> okay. First, first question. Um, advice to college students. I would say your number one important mission is to be yourself and to honor yourself. And how do you do that? It's actually not that easy if you are plugged into the mainstream of seeking approval or validation from the opposite sex or romantic partner or even the world. So turn within and practice meditation, you know, do the things that, um, that can just slow down the pace a little bit for yourself and there's so much more information available now than there was when I was a college student. There's more support. Um, so find a group that you resonate with for support or, you know, what you're interested in um, to develop yourself. Uh, you, can, you can party at any age. You don't have to do all your partying in college. You are paying a lot of money to be in college. You should be having fun and making friends, absolutely. But also be selfish with your time. Be selfish for yourself and your, you know, develop your, your talents. Um, and I don't know, is it too nerdy to say fall in love with books? 
Go for it. Yeah. That's good. Be a nerd. Be a super nerd at college. Love and, that. Yeah. You know, like, also, you're in your... I mean, you're in your late teens and 20s at college. Your brain is still developing, mm-hmm. we now know. So, like, also be selfish with yourself for that reason. Like, uh, And then what I like to talk about is healthy boundaries and how to come up with healthy boundaries because it's not so easy to just know what the language of consent is or how to say no or how to ask for consent. And so that's one of the things I'm talking about in the college tour also. Um, so maybe that's a long run-on answer. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> and now to answer the next question of, of advice for women in, in, the, film in the film industry. So again, a lot of, a lot of things have happened recently um, that are changing the culture from when, from when I made this film. But... Um, my advice for women in the film industry, my advice for women in the film industry is to keep working together, build new opportunities for each other. Um, because that's how I found my, my groove finally was working with other women-based organizations. And I, I feel like I say, oh, that sa- this saved my life a lot, that saved my life. I see this phrase a lot, like this, these things save my life, but they did because so many times I was so depressed and feeling like I don't, I, I can't exist in this world anymore. But then something would happen that would give me hope. And um, working with women was one of those things that I feel like also saved my life. So I have a day job. I work for, I work in fashion for a few different companies that are run by women. That was awesome because coming from New York City in the film industry and then moving to L.A., you know, seeing that Hollywood was still mm-hmm. toxic, that the men in charge were abusing their power, expecting sex in exchange for honest labor. Bizarre. Like, whoever thought of that? Oh, that's the economic model of slavery. Oh, that's what that is. Pretty um, much. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So women and men, do everything you can to create the new economic model that is more uh, inclusive and kind to the earth and its people so we can have a good life together and make exciting films and stories that can build a better future for everyone. And sci-fi novels about aliens. Yes, of course. Sci-fi novels about aliens (laughs) and and so much more that I'd love to tell you about soon. Oh, I can't wait for that one. (laughs) Thank you. All right, are we good? All right. Well, thank you so much for everything, Leah. It was so great having you. Thank Thank you you so much. It's such an honor to be here and to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks. If you are interested in today's discussion, drop by the Montclair State University Film Forum Tuesday nights at 7 in the School of Communication and Media.